if you're good, I'm good. And I'll just uh, try not to mess up uh, the brand here for you guys. (laughs) You'll be fine. (laughs) Hey, corn growers. Welcome back to another episode of Keeping It Independent, a podcast brought to you by Wiffles Hybrids. My name is Eric Wilson. I'm an agronomy manager in Iowa. And today we have a new voice on the podcast, uh, the head honcho of the product and agronomy team, Mitch Heisler, product and agronomy manager for Wiffles. First, uh, we want to go over uh, kind of where the crop is and its life cycle, uh, what's going on out there in the field right now. Uh, Mitch, you can chime in if you want for that uh, eastern side of the river, but uh, I know we were just looking at some maps before we we started doing this. And uh, if you get into Iowa and up into southeast South Dakota, southwest Minnesota, um, you know, southeast Iowa is tracking, I would say, pretty well normal for, uh, say, a April 15th to May 1st planting date. So we're right on track, uh, maybe, maybe in that neighborhood of 50 to maybe 80 GDUs ahead. Uh, and then as we get up into southwest Minnesota, we've got quite a bit more heat up there on some of those earlier planting dates. So we are tracking, uh, you know, maybe closer to 100 or 115% of normal for uh, some of those earlier planting dates. What do what'd we find in uh, the Geneseo and Illinois area? As far as an update on the eastern side, I mean, yeah, I looked at both April 10th and May 1st to date, you know, anywhere from 50 to 70 GDUs ahead. So it's really not a lot. I was actually surprised. I was expecting to be a little bit more than that. You know, you start to put in, you know, using our GDU calculator and knowing what we know on black layer timing for some of our hybrids, you start to put in uh, May 1st planning on 7876 in Geneseo. You get a black layer date of September 7th to September 9th. Uh, That's, of course, assuming average temperatures from here on out for, uh, through, through grain fill, uh, you do the same thing for 5086. I think you get a black layer date around the, right around the end of August. So, um, a little bit ahead, we're certainly not behind on GDUs. Um, and then there's the added wrinkle of, you know, when we did have some stress, drought stress early on in the season. And, and if we are facing some, again, that does, uh, tend to sometimes speed up, uh, or at least change that development. I was a little surprised that we weren't farther ahead too. Um, but, you know, a reminder, when we get over 86, though, you, you can't technically count those as heat yep. GDUs. So I know we had a hot week last week. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it seems like in my mind we should be farther ahead than that. But in reality, we probably aren't. Unfortunately, it seems like uh, to us, at least, this topic is getting kind of old, but it's a very important thing to talk about. You know, it's kind of the last uh, last few years. It's death taxes and corn rootworm a little bit. Uh, so... Just give us a little bit of a level set, Eric, on what are we seeing from cornworm this year, uh, and specifically, what has some of the weather patterns that we've seen over the last uh, six nine months meant for cornworm populations this year? Yeah, so if if you guys have uh, listened to us at all in the last few podcasts or or any print that we put out, um, we've definitely been talking a lot about corn rootworm this year, and for good reason. We've been kind of anticipating this um, since early spring. Um, we had a, a pretty mild winter, not that that has too much to do with corn rootworm survival, uh, but more importantly, that early season drought, we had near perfect conditions for larvae survival. So, uh, the best way that mother nature deals with, uh, these little boogers is by, you know, heavy rainfall events towards the end of May into June when those things are hatching. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to give any 
horrible nightmare flashbacks to anybody. But if you remember, uh, we didn't get any rain until, um, for the most part, until the, the very end of June. So very dry early season, very good survival of those larvae that hatched. Um, and, you know, typically I would say uh, in the past that's been limited pretty specifically to corn on corn acres. But this year we have been finding um, a few but significant cases, I'll say more commonly um, than we have on in some first year corn this year. So uh, rotated acres speckled across the geography. I can't even necessarily uh, kind of give you a pinpoint on a hot spot. We've seen it. Um, you know, somewhat north to south, east to west in the state of Iowa, uh, up into up into Minnesota. Um, so that's kind of catching a lot of guys off guard. Iowa State uh, says, you know, you can have a yield penalty as much as 15% per missing node of roots. So there's about three, three solid nodes of crown roots that develop. Uh, so if one of those uh, gets chewed off, that's, that's a 15% yield penalty. So it can be very significant, especially in some of those uh, rotated fields where uh, we weren't anticipating that that was going to be an issue that we were going to have to deal with. So, well, yeah, I was just going to say the other wrinkle to that was, uh, you know, we were, we were very dry early on. So yeah. yes. we didn't get, we didn't get good regeneration or really any regeneration on any of that feeding that did happen. Um, you know, we, we have caught some rains here in late, very late June and July. And so we, you know, are starting to see some regrowth regeneration, which helps, but it certainly made any feeding that did happen a lot more apparent. Yep. And, and that, that root regeneration, that's important, Mitch. Um, it, you know, you have up until essentially tassel time or shortly after tassel time to regrow roots. And by the time we got a lot of those rains, um, you know, we were very close to tassel. So there was a, there was a very small, but very beneficial window there for root regeneration, uh, from some of that early season feeding that we have. So I'm, I'm pretty hopeful that's a, that's going to help, you know, alleviate some of the yield loss associated in those fields. You know, an, another wrinkle with the corn rootworm showing up this year, um, the first year corn fields, we, we talked a little bit about that. We kind of mentioned that, uh, Mitch, do you want to expand on what were, you know, specifically in those, those first year corn fields, what's going on, what we're seeing, you know, what is it? Yeah. So really what, there's two ways that we can get feeding in first year cornfields. Um, we've got kind of two different, the, the corn worm is a, uh, a nasty, uh, pest. It, it's, it's found ways to get around a lot of management strategies that we put in place. So they've really got two, uh, variants or, or ways that they've gotten around that. One is the Western corn worm variant, which we typically see more in, West, or I'm sorry, East Central Illinois is really the hot spot for that. And that's where the Western cornworm beetles will go into the soybean fields and lay their eggs in soybean fields. And then they'll be feeding on that corn that's planted in there the following year. Uh, but then the other one is the Northern cornworm extended diapause. So that's where we have Northern cornworm beetles, the green ones, that are laying eggs in a cornfield. And then those eggs overwinter for two winters. So they're overwintering. Uh, staying there dormant while you have plant soybeans and then coming back the following year when you go back to corn. Uh, so that's really where we're seeing it this year. We're not really seeing the Western variant uh, blow up so far that we've seen in, in Illinois, um, but we are seeing a lot of feeding on first year cornfields uh, where we suspect we've got a lot higher Northern population and we really suspect we're seeing that extended diapause. So 
it's it's a hard one to to pinpoint like even monitoring those fields going back a couple years to 2021 and 2019 you know there were some areas where we did see elevated northern populations in those fields but it's not always the case you know so it's just a hard one to pinpoint when you're going to have that problem or not i think it's a little bit of a perfect storm we had this year where we had very good conditions for survival um you know whether you believe it or not that there is this thought out there that the odd years are always a heavier um extended diapause population so we're in an odd year um and then all the things we just talked about with dry soils we didn't kill any larvae we didn't get good we didn't get root regeneration and then we have had some winds move through that area that um you know when we didn't have that root mass established uh, we start to see some lodge corn so and like you said, Mitch, you know, very difficult to predict um, in the future, uh, diff- difficult in part because, you know, not all of that northern population actually does diapause right. either. Right. Um, it's, you know, probably at best around 50% will hatch that next year into the soybean field. Uh, and then, you know, the other half are the ones that do extended diapause. So, uh, be two years when it's in corn again. So it, it, it's something very difficult to predict. Yeah, that's a good point too. And, and even if, even if you're in an area and you start to see Northern beetles, like you said, the 50%, well, that's not even all across the board of the Northern population, you know, right. like in, in Illinois, uh, we've seen Northern beetles, but we haven't yet seen them, ex- uh, have the extended diapause. <laughs> We've done a pretty good job here, I think, talking about all the bad things with cornworm and and some of the issues that we're seeing. But maybe most importantly for people listening right now, what can they do about it? Uh, You know, what what should they be doing now to uh, be proactive or, you know, whether it be management this year or thinking about going forward? Yeah. So sticky traps, sticky traps, sticky traps. If you've uh, heard us talk about this before, um, I've been pounding this drum for the last month. Um, but, uh, if you aren't aware, Wiffles runs a huge sticky trap, uh, corn rootworm trapping program. Uh, we will give out traps to anybody, uh, and anybody that wants to put traps out in their field. And I highly encourage that, especially on these high pressure years. Um, it's going to give you a good idea of, you know, one, you're out there, you can, you can see the beetles, but it also gives you an opportunity to, Hey, while I'm out there, I'm going to, I'm going to check and see if I've got roots or, you know, maybe I don't have root feeding in this field, but I am seeing a few beetles come in and you're trapping them on those sticky traps. Uh, it's a lot better to know, uh, what you have before the combine tells you what you have, uh, is, is another way I like to put it, getting a handle on, one, what your numbers are, two, what species you have, you know, are you seeing more Westerns? Are you seeing more Northerns? Uh, it can give you a pretty good indicator on, on what your pressure is going to be that next year. Uh, especially if you're going into corn on corn situation, um, there's going to be a lot of traits available next year. Uh, some of these, you know, we're going to use to manage corn rootworm on that landscape. Uh, so it's going to be really important to know what your options are, whether it be traits or soil applied insecticide or, or even rotation. Um, so getting those out is crucially important. The other thing is too, the earlier you know what you need to do going into next year, the better, the more options you're going to have. If you want to move to a soil applied insecticide going into next year, you know, we've seen the last couple of years where you can't, there's not physically enough soil applied insecticide systems out there to meet the demand. So 
you know, the earlier you know that and you can start getting things lined up and getting that on your planner for next year, it just gives you more options. Yep. And and if people haven't checked it out, it is available on our website. We update, uh, you know, our findings, what everyone's reporting to us weekly on our website. Um, and you can get on there and you can kind of get a general idea of what's going on with corn rootworm, you know, at, at your local level. It, it can be very spotty. I've even seen it within pockets and fields where it's having a major impact, but the majority of the field is just fine. So uh, I do encourage anyone to get a sticky trap out that, that is willing to do so. So let's change gears here a little bit, Mitch. Uh, get off the topic of corn rootworm. Um We've got a tool I want you to uh, chat a little bit about. I know we've made some improvements to it, tried to fine-tune it a little bit better, uh, but we're getting close to, uh, I think, when people are going to start be using that tool quite a bit more often. So that is um, uh, our tool for yield estimates. It's on our website. That's coming right up the pipe. Uh, What things should we be paying attention to specifically out there in the field uh, when we're out looking at and assessing yield at this stage in the game? Yeah, this is always a, you know, pretty exciting time. You know, everybody's eager to get out and just kind of get your first glimpse at what what you're going to see coming into the combine, first glimpse at harvest. And uh, I don't know if it was early 20s or 2000s or 2010s where, you know, there's an app for that, but but we do have a tool for that on the website. Uh, It was one of the first ones that we, that we put out, which was the yield calculator. And really, you know, you got to kind of think about, okay, what are the components of the yield calculation? It's obviously kernels per ear ears per acre that gets you the total number of kernels per acre and then what's the kernel weight so how many kernels does it take to make a bushel so the one thing that our calculator really helps with is every hybrid has a different number you know has a different kernel weight factor so there's yep. a different number of kernels that it takes to make a bushel and so by using the yield calculator on wiffles.com you're you're able to take in those hybrid differences we have anywhere from one hybrid might only take 63,000 kernels on average to make a bushel. And we have another one that's over 80,000 kernels per bushel. So you can see there's a wide variation. And and I think historically, a lot of people just use 90,000 kernels across the board, when in reality, modern hybrids are a lot different than that. Um, and so if, you know, just some tips as you're doing those yield estimates, take a good representative sample. I know that's always the hardest part. Nobody wants to go to five different parts of the field and collect, you know, ears from three different rows and multiple ears and count all those. But the the yield estimate is only as good as the sample you take. And I always like to tell people or think about, you know, as you're watching that combine monitor go across the field, you've probably seen where it can spike up to 320 and go down to 150 bushel the acre. Well, depending on where you're sampling, if you go to the best part of that field and take a sample, you're going to get the yield estimation for that part of the field. It just, you don't know if that's representative of the whole field. So that could be especially important this year too, Mitch, with the the dry weather that we've had and changes in topography and things like that. So definitely something worth mentioning. Yeah. And then the other one is try to take the, the, um, human, human, uh, part out of it a little bit and try to be as random as possible. You know, so when I do it, I try to just grab the seventh, 14th and 21st ear when I'm taking a sample. That way I'm not hunting for a good or, or a, a, a bad ear as I'm going through, takes a little bit of that, um, out of it and makes it as random as possible. The one thing that we did make an adjustment on this year, and I would say since, since we started this, it's been some feedback we've been getting is, you know, sure you're giving me an average, but what if I'm in a 
higher yield environment or if I'm a lower yield environment, doesn't that change the factor? And it absolutely does. If you're in a higher yield environment, you're probably putting on heavier kernels. If you're in a lower yield environment, you're probably putting on lighter kernels. So one thing that we did add this year is we've put the option there for you to choose yield environment. And so based on what you select there, it'll adjust the kernels per bushel for that hybrid that it's using in the calculation. So something that we felt, you know, especially this year was going to be important, um, depending on the other option it gives is, you know, if you're taking yield estimates today, you can run a couple examples, you know, so you can say, okay, let's assume I have good grain fill. And I think this field's going to average 200 to 250. Well, what would my yield be in that case? But then you can run another scenario to say, what if we have no more rainfall and we have a hot grain fill and we have poor grain fill and we end up below 200, what's my likely yield going to be in that situation? So it just, it again, gives you more information. You know, I'll reiterate, this is an estimate. It's not going to be exact. It's meant to give you something to, to kind of base off of as you're trying to market your crop and trying to make decisions about how this is going to finish out. I, I heard it right there. You, uh, Mitch just said it's a marketing tool, everyone. So yeah, uh, there you have it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, in in all truth, send all your complaints to yeah. E. Wilson at wiffles.com. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and I will forward them accordingly. Right. Right. Uh, it, it, in reality, though, um, you know, I, I can remember a couple of years ago before we had this addition in that yield estimation calculator. Um, you know, we were going out, we had pretty good early season conditions and it was, you know, a dry year, similar, very similar to this one. We had pretty good conditions, early season, everything, the kernel counts were there. We had good length numbers, good girth numbers. Uh, we were doing yield estimates and then we got to the end of the year and realized, oh shoot, these didn't fill out because we didn't get the weather we needed in, in July and August. And, you know, you could easily in in those situations, it could easily take over a hundred thousand kernels to make a bushel in some of those really really bad droughty areas. So I'm glad we added this addition uh, to the yield calculator because I, I think it will um, help guys get a better gauge on you know okay, depending on how it goes for the rest of the season, this is how it could turn out. I think it'll be a good add, and and uh, we're, we always love to see those uh, pictures come in too when you're when you're doing those. So uh, you know, it's it, it's fun for us to see uh, the ear pictures as they start to come in here in the month of August and September, and and let us know what you're finding out there. And and for those of you that weren't aware, you know, you can send pictures of good ears to agronomists too. Right. We do we do appreciate those things. Uh, you know, you at least ten percent. Just make, yeah. make it at least ten percent of them you send us. I, so. I would imagine most of you can imagine most photos that we get. So we do like right. good photos too. So yeah, I think with that, that's a wrap on this episode, Mitch. Um, you know, we we hope you guys found something useful and relevant. Um, if you haven't already, please follow us on your favorite podcast player. Uh, give us a rating, give us a review, even if it's a bad one, we'll, we'll deal with it. We got big shoulders. Uh, just search for keeping it independent. Uh, if you don't have a podcast player, you can find these on wiffles.com under the agronomy tab. Um, any and all feedback that you guys can give us, we'd love to hear from you. You can send that uh, directly to us or questions for future episodes to agronomy at wiffles.com. You can reach out or, or text any one of us that have uh, done one of these podcasts. And if you're signed up to receive our text alerts, uh, you can also just text that number back directly uh, and get your question covered on a future podcast. So 
With that, thank you for listening and stay safe out there, guys.